Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today's podcast, we would like to take a moment to thank Kaleo for their kind sponsorship of FACTS Roundtable podcast. We also would like to thank them for the support we've received over the years. In honor of Food Allergy Awareness Month, we're sharing shorter and razor-focused podcasts on a specific topic. Today is part one of a two-part series about how to keep cooking with food allergies interesting and tasty with FACTS Director of Marketing and cookbook author, Lisa Horn. We'll explore her cookbook, The Everything Nut Allergy Cookbook, as we celebrate this wonderful month full of boundless opportunities, much like this cookbook. Welcome back to Facts Roundtable, Lisa. I am absolutely thrilled for today's very delicious topic, which is cooking. I am a cookbook junkie. I like your cookbook. I like you. So I think today's going to be an amazing conversation. Thank you, Caroline. And I like you too. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we go way back and I know a lot about you, but everyone else, I don't know if they do. So let's start with you helping us learn a little more about you. So if you don't mind sharing with listeners a little bit about yourself, what allergens you tackle in your home, and then most of all, why did you decide to become a cookbook author? Absolutely. So um, with my oldest child, and this was about 15 years ago. He's my firstborn. Um, so as a new mom, I found out that he was allergic to peanuts by giving him a little peanut butter rice crispy treat, Scotcheroos, homemade recipe. And he got hives. He was only about eight or nine months old. And we called the nurse at the local hospital. She said, oh, he's probably just got a peanut allergy and kind of, you know, didn't make a big deal of it. Didn't tell us, hey, you might want to watch out if you give him peanuts again and come to find out because I didn't think much of it because she didn't really make me feel like I needed to think much of it. I gave him his first peanut butter and jelly sandwich, maybe six or so months after that. And he had an anaphylactic reaction. Had to take him into the emergency room, face completely swollen, um, having trouble breathing, all the things that you know you would expect with the anaphylactic reaction. And he was maybe a year and a half old. And so from then we knew he was anaphylactic to peanuts. Fast forward, we went to the zoo and he wanted to feed the stingrays. And so we got, we paid the extra money for him to get chum, which is shellfish, and feed the stingrays, and he had a reaction from doing that. So then, you know, investigating with the allergist and we're able to find out uh, he has a shellfish allergy as well. So peanut and shellfish for over a decade. And then a little over a year ago, 
he started having reactions to things. And long story short, after a lot of investigating as a parent, meeting with the allergist and letting the allergist also be the investigator and detective, we were able to narrow it down to seven additional new foods and come to find out he is anaphylactic to garlic. That's a very hard one. It's not part of the top nine. It can often be hidden in natural flavorings, seasonings, spices, and people use it, uh, manufacturers, restaurants, in everything. It's very, it's like salt and pepper. And so it's, that's a very difficult allergen, especially since he is anaphylactic to it. We for sure know because he had a, another reaction to it, an anaphylactic reaction where we had to OBQ, um, go to the ER, uh, and that whole bit. We were on a positive note, able to, from those seven foods, yes, we ended up finding out that he is anaphylactic to garlic. And so that was added to his for sure list. Uh, but with food challenges and other things um, with the allergist, we were able to reintroduce some foods that we were questioning. Pecan and walnut are still on his list to avoid. Oat, we were able to reintroduce, which was exciting. And watermelon and pear, we were able to reintroduce. We are, have an upcoming food challenge for sweet potatoes. So we're hoping that he can add that back into, which is funny because he doesn't even like sweet potato, but it's in some candies and other things uh, when you get some of those more natural candies or natural foods for coloring and things like that. So, so that's kind of where we're at now. <laughs> that is a very complicated list. Thank goodness you are a serious cook and baker. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is when Simon and Schuster contacted me to do this cookbook, he was only peanut and shellfish. And I had no idea that his life was about to change our, my, and my family, because as you know, when you have a food allergy in the family, it really does affect everybody in the household because you have to do things differently and, and every family does it different. And there's not necessarily one right or wrong way, but it does affect the whole household. And so we we had no idea that all the other, the garlic and things like that were happening. So as you go through this book, I love garlic and he used to love garlic, <laughs> you know, um, you know, he loved pizza. He loved, uh, chicken nuggets. He loved all these things that, and, but he gained that, if you will, gained that allergen. And so when you do look through this cookbook, there is quite a bit of, you can see I used garlic. And so that was a new to him allergy that happened even after this cookbook. Well, you know, let's go right into the cookbook because the title of the cookbook is the Everything Nut Allergy Cookbook, and it definitely covers so much more. Nut is only the surface of this. So let's talk more about it. And if we can explore with you what people should expect to find in there, because I agree, garlic is like salt and pepper. It is in everything. I mean, French fries and just you know, pasta and spaghetti and, and all sorts of things that you just wouldn't expect. Right. Like even boxed macaroni and cheese or, or ketchup. And there's some brands of ketchup that are fine. Um, and we're grateful for those. So I don't, I don't have to make homemade ketchup, even though I do have a recipe for homemade ketchup now, <laughs> but I think leads most food allergy parents to find recipes or to create recipes is out of need, out of necessity. Um, and that's where a lot of my recipes have come from is out of necessity. I think so many food allergy parents can relate to this, you know, even with 
when I used to say just a peanut allergy, and it's not just a peanut allergy when having even one allergy, it's very hard. Uh, but you know, he wanted to try what I would like to have peanut butter cookies, mom. I wish I could have peanut butter cookies. All these kids say peanut butter cookies are so good. Or, you know, the candies that have the peanut butter in the middle and the chocolate covered outside. Oh, I wish I could have those. And so out of necessity breeds creativity. And then you want to figure out how to make those candies or let's figure out how to do a peanut butter cookie, but with sunflower seed butter, you know? And so that's where a lot of these came from. Fast forward, I created a blog, Fast forward, I started sharing my recipes to hopefully help others so that they wouldn't have to recreate the wheel. Here, I found out how to make a great sunflower seed butter uh, cookie. Now you can make it too. You don't have to figure it out. That way you save time and you can go figure out another recipe. (laughs) And so by sharing those on my blog, on my social media, that was how Simon & Schuster found me. And so I didn't even, I mean, I'm grateful. I'm so glad that I was able to author this cookbook, but it kind of fell into my lap and and I'm so grateful for it. It's been a fun opportunity in the cookbook. You find they really were amazing to work with. They helped me to bring so many great things to the cookbook. If you go through, there's answers to common questions, uh, alerts and warnings to kind of help people navigate, you know, giving this book to a grandma or grandpa, or even somebody that's newly diagnosed or learning um, to kind of help them navigate it. Facts and information, um, handy tips in the kitchen that are not just for peanut allergy, but just for cooking and baking in general. And the entire first chapter, I really, I told them, I said, I really want to make sure that this is more than a cookbook. I want to give information so that this could even be a handbook, not just a handbook in the kitchen for people that might be new to cooking or baking or new to food allergies. But even if you give it to grandma or grandpa or a teacher, and I've had one lady, if you go on Amazon and and read her review, she said when she goes to meet with her school teachers and others, she doesn't need anything else. She's just going to tell them to read chapter one of my cookbook. (laughs) And I'm like, that's the best compliment ever. Thank you. Um, Because we talk about in there, what's an intolerance versus a food allergy? What are the top nine allergens? And even though this book was written and published before the new laws went into effect with Sesame, I knew they were coming. And so we we made sure that that was included in here as if it had always been just, you know, the top nine, not just top eight. Uh, anaphylactic allergic reactions, label reading and food allergy safety, living a full life with a peanut or a Trina allergy, food allergy safety in the kitchen, cross contact, tips for avoiding reactions, substitutions, multiple allergen options. Um, And so we kind of go down into the nitty gritty of all of it. And I will say it was so interesting. There was a well-meaning person, well-intended person that left a review on my Amazon And they said, you can't list coconut as a substitute. This is a nut allergy cookbook. But if you go, here's the thing is if you go back to the substitutions list, yes, I absolutely listed as a substitute option on there and very intentionally so. And here's the reason being is as we know with food allergies, there's no one mixture of allergies that one person has. And so my son, for example, has a peanut allergy in addition to some others, but since we're talking about the everything nut allergy cookbook in in regard to nut allergies, he's not allergic to coconut. And so for him, if he, and I have a dairy intolerant daughter, that's why the substitute sheet is good for everybody because they can go in here and they can be like, okay, in my family, 
I can't have dairy because of a dairy intolerance or a dairy allergy, but my other child also can't have peanut or whatever the mixture is of allergens. And this substitute sheet in here, it can help anybody to kind of navigate and find what they can use, not just people with nut allergies and even people that have, you know, they might be allergic to peanut and walnut or pecan and walnut or whatever different mixture, but they can have coconut. And so, yes, that's why, that's why I still included it in here was not to leave out the coconut folks because nobody likes to be left out. Right. And I know that very well, especially with a garlic allergy and peanut allergy, (laughs) but that substitute sheet um, that's in here is great. It's an allergy ingredient substitution guide. It's not just for peanut and tree nut. And again, I did that very intentionally because I wanted, I wanted this to be a handbook that anyone could use, not just folks that have peanut and tree nut allergies. And no matter what your, and if you go through and read the introduction of this book, I very specifically let people know, we understand that while this book is geared towards peanut and tree nut, you might have any array of food allergens that you manage. And so as you go through each recipe in the book also, for example, here, I'm opening it up to Monte Cristo sliders. There's a little introduction to that recipe that talks about it, but then under each and every single recipe, I let you know if it's top nine free with the exception of dairy, eggs, wheat, and soy, or what it, what you can do to make it friendly to other allergens that you manage as well outside of nut allergies. So then it's really safe to say that it's a cookbook where we can find fabulous recipes that have been tried and true and tested. But what you're saying too, is that this cookbook is a little bit of an educational tool and might even be a really nice, easy way to gain that food allergy ally. Because I know speaking from my own personal experience with family members and close friends of my children, it's overwhelming and they want to have your child to their house or they want to include you in family gatherings. They have no idea how to approach it. And so it seems that like like you're saying, this is not just a cookbook, but it's actually a tool that you could use to educate somebody. You could help them understand substitutions, give them some recipes if you're comfortable with someone, of course, cooking for you. But it sounds like this is a much, much bigger moment. Absolutely. And that's what I wanted it to be. Uh, and and Simon and Schuster, again, they were so great in working with me to do that. I told them, I said, that's great. I, ex- I accept this collaboration. I definitely want to do this everything nut allergy cookbook, but I wanted to also teach and educate Simon and Schuster. And they were so welcome to that education. And I said, you know, individuals that have a peanut allergy, there's plenty of them that don't just have a peanut allergy. They also manage a dairy allergy. They also manage an egg allergy. They also manage, in my son's case, a garlic allergy. And so that's why, and I can see why that well-intended person that gave me one star, (laughs) bless their heart. I understand why they got confused though, because they, in their situation, they were looking at it and they're like, why would she put that in here? Well, I put that in here because there are others that they manage pecan and milk or they put, they manage walnut and egg. And so that's what I had to have the foresight in doing with this book so that it could be helpful to as many people as possible. It's all about inclusivity. Absolutely. So what kind of recipes are in there? Like, or do we have some ethnic recipes? Are they traditional, you know, mac and cheese kind of recipes? What can we find? 
So we have a little bit of everything. And the reason why we have a little bit of everything is because that's how my family is. Um, and, and a little bit of that is because, so my husband is very strongly European, but I am half Mexican. I'm native American. I'm all sorts of things. <laughs> you name it. I am it. I am a mixture of all sorts of things. Um, and so because I grew up with so many different, um, you know, a multicultural household, if you will, that comes across in my love for food, just as an individual growing up in life, you know, I have tried all different sorts of food. I have a love for all different sorts of food. And because of that, I wanted to be able to introduce that to my son. When I knew that he had a peanut allergy, you know, rewind over 10 years ago. And when you have certain food allergies, there becomes certain cuisines that it's going to be very hard for you to eat you know, especially at restaurants. And so I love different types of Asian cuisine, um, whether it's Chinese food or Japanese or whatever it is. And I wanted him to be able to have those foods. And so you will find some of those recipes in here. I'm also, because my family is half Mexican, you know, sometimes at Mexican restaurants, they'll put peanut in the mole sauce for example. Um, and so I wanted him to be able to have those types of foods without having to worry about dining out and cross contact. And so there are all sorts of different uh, types of cuisines in here, but there's also some good old, uh, you know, comfort food too. And so we have, there's a chapter that's just dedicated to breakfasts and I have crepe recipes. And one of the other things that I focused on, and this was another thing that I had to help the publisher understand too, is that I'm going to include a lot of bakery items. And the reason that I'm including a lot of bakery items and also a lot of ice cream recipes. I have homemade ice cream recipes that you don't even need an ice cream maker for. And the reason that I included those is because people that have food allergies know that yes, there are some ice cream places that you can go to and they will make sure that they make the ice cream safe for you. But there's also a lot of places that don't, and it can be hard to go find a safe ice cream spot or even a safe ice cream brand that doesn't have the cross contact. And so I said, I want to include homemade ice cream recipes. And I did that. You don't even need an ice cream maker for. And we also know with food allergies that bakeries or donut shops, you know, things like that, regardless of your allergen, they can be, it can be hard to find. And not to say that there's not some locations that can make it safe for you, but oftentimes it can be hard, hard to find, especially if you're worried about cross contact. So I even have in here donut recipes and crepe recipes and French toast and cheese Danish and waffles. And it's, it's a little bit of a mixture of some of those tried and true basic recipes that almost every household wants and loves right in America. <laughs> some of those basics like pancakes. Then there's also some some fun ones, uh, some different ones like chalupa pork and pinto beans or tabbouleh salad, kung pao chicken, Thai chicken salad, and then some ones that are more uh, familiar to you like sweet corn muffins or a French bread loaf or garlic bread. See, before we knew about his garlic allergy. <laughs> So again, there's, there's, there's everything from comfort food to some staples that you would want to enjoy, whether at home or out. And I really tried to include a, a, a broad spectrum of recipes in here and, and lunch, dinner, side dishes, breads, rolls, muffins, appetizers, dips, dressings, seasonings, and sauces. Cause that's another one that can be so hard 
with food allergies is condiments, snacks, and energy boosters. That's again, if you have a nut allergy, especially, and you're trying to add protein to your diet, that can be very hard. So I have all sorts of protein balls and baked goods and candy, frozen treats, like I mentioned a second ago. So I have tons of ice cream bars and ice cream. And again, all of these ice cream recipes that are in here, you don't have to have even a ice cream machine. You could have a spoon and a bowl and the ingredients and mix it and put it even in a bread loaf pan in the freezer. So I tried to make everything so simple that even your kids could help do it in the kitchen. Well, and that's what we want, right? We want the simplicity. And this concludes part one of Cooking with Food Allergies with Lisa Horn. Tune in next week to pick up ideas on how to get children and teens involved in cooking and how to keep your recipes fresh. Before we say goodbye today, we just want to thank Kalea one more time for their kind sponsorship. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.